Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Father, I pray that the template of what it is you're establishing on the earth would begin to shine in our hearts with such clarity. Father, that we'll no longer doubt, that we'll no longer restrain ourselves from committing, from laying our lives down, that we won't be hesitant, we won't be reluctant at all. We'll run to lay our lives down for your glory. God, that's what we pray. Father, uh, overwhelm us the way you overran Paul. And uh, God, give us the diligence, the zeal that he had, we pray in Jesus' name. So I'm going to talk about a couple things here, and uh, um, uh, first let me tell you a picture of, of when I was young. I was insecure. I, I was fearful. When I get around, and maybe you identify, maybe you don't, but I was the kind of kid that when I got into strange environments, at least for the beginning, you know, the beginning I, I tend to not move very much, right? It's like I'm not allowed to move here, not allowed to do much. So, you know, when, you're, when your environment is strange and you're intimidated, you tend to, you know, like, and some people may feel that today. You know, we came to this church, it's not my church. I'm a new Christian or you're not a Christian. You come here visiting and you're thinking, you know, I'm just going to find a seat in the back, quietly slip in and quietly slip out, Right? And that's what you do when you don't feel at home, when you don't feel, you know, that's why sometimes you, you meet some people's kids and they're so shy and they're so quiet. Then you go to their house and it's like, what is this? Like, who are you? Where, where has this nature been? Well, when, when, when they're outside of that comfort zone, they're locked up. They're hemmed in. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's often what we are. When we're, when, we're, when we're afraid, when we're intimidated, when we don't feel at home, the nature that we're supposed to have is locked up. It's hemmed in. And um, so I remember as a young man, we'd, we'd travel, we were living in Ottawa, we'd travel to uh, an area of Quebec where my grandmother lived and we'd go there and much, many of my dad's brothers, uh, he didn't have any brothers, all sisters, six sisters. They all lived there and We'd stay at my grandma's house sometimes. My parents would stay at another house. And, and I remember one time I was there and my cousin was there who lived in the same town as my grandma. My grandma, I, I saw her maybe once a year. She didn't speak English. She, she only spoke French. And my, my French wasn't my first language, but I spoke French. But it still, it was not, I didn't feel at ease. I wasn't sure if she liked me. You know, she was kind of stern, kind of, you know, she was nice, right? You know, she made the best toast with butter and brown sugar you ever had. I mean, it was amazing. And she just kept it coming. If you wanted more, she brought it, right? So, but still there was this awkwardness that I had when I was there. And I started to notice the contrast between me and my cousin, my cousin Ray. He, he, he was there. He had his own room there. He had toys there. He had clothes there. And we go in and I thought, well, how come your clothes are here? Well, I, I spent a lot of time here. And he acted like this was his home. And, and there was this conscious. I'm kind of like there. Not sure what I'm. And he's running around doing things and talking to grandma. So, so affable. So, so easy. The, this, this relational ease that he had. And I, and I thought, I wish I had that. 
You know, I feel so awkward with her, but I wish I had what he had. And it was a picture of, of the comfort level that some have in the house of God, with the family of God, and with our Father, and that we don't often have at the beginning of this journey. But there is a progression that God means for you to have such that you become comfortable in the house of God, with, the, with God. And uh, so, Father, I pray today, Lord, that, that we would begin to become comfortable. Father, not presumptuous, not entitled, but comfortable with who you have told us we are. Father, and how we can relate to you. Father, in Jesus' name. You know, just as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking of Ishmael and Abraham and Isaac and Abraham. The one is a child of promise and the other one is, is a child of the flesh. And I see that contrast. You know, one of the things that causes the children of the flesh to envy the children of faith is that the ease that the children of faith have with God. You know, because people, there are some people... When, when I got to my grandma, you know, I, I'm thinking, okay, what are the rules? What are, what are the rules tell me I can and cannot do? And so it's a, the rules paint a very thin line. And the sons, my, my cousin, he's painting outside the lines all the time. You know, he, he's running amok as though there were no lines. And, and, and I'm thinking, how do you, why do you get to do that? And there was a number of, you know, sociological reasons why that was the case. But it, it gives us an example of the difference between sons and those that are still feeling like adopted, unbelonging entities, strangers, foreigners in the house of God. So I pray, God, that the spirit of adoption, Lord, would be ours. Father, that the ability to navigate into the realm that we were made for, to navigate in the realm of the Spirit, Lord, to ascend the mountain of God as the children of God and to see... Lord, the, uh, the dynamics of the kingdom flow through our lives as though we were your offspring, as though we were your heirs, as though we were joint heirs, which we are. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, there's an organic way that the, that the inheritance of the father is transferred to the children. The children begin to walk in it. And so, Father, may that, that awkwardness Lord, be lifted off of us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Do you, do you want to copy this? Yes. Yes. See, he didn't hesitate. He knew he deserved that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I already shared this message once, and I'm not really good at sharing messages twice. But I'm going to take a crack at it. We, we've been doing that in our church here for so, a, f a couple of months, and uh, it's all right. But it always ends up being a little bit different each time. Because I, I'm not really a guy who does sermons out of notes, you know. I, I just wrote down a couple of scriptures that were in my heart. In fact, I was going in an entirely different direction this morning. And, um, and as it happens, that thing just faded and... And something else arose, and so here we are. But I want to read in Romans 8. There's an amazing passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8 about creation. You know, there, there are some books in the Bible, some little moments in the Bible where, 
where the eternal plan of God, the eternal purposes, God's intent, God's eternal intent is hinted at or, or crossed over. You know, sometimes when Paul is writing, for example, he's writing in Romans here and he's writing in Ephesians. In Ephesians, we see this, some of this language of God's eternal intent. You know, one of my favorite passages, Ephesians 3.10, because it's to the intent uh, that, right, this is God's intention. His intention is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to principalities and powers. In other words, God could himself come down and say, this is how tremendous I am. Hey, Satan, this is how much power I have. He said, I'm not even going to bother with you because I don't want to dignify your rebellion with my personal response. <laughs> I'm going to create dust, and out of that dust, I'm going to create man, and out of that man is going to come the weaponry of my kingdom that will destroy you. Isn't that cool? Right, I, I'm, I'm going to do that through, you know, through them. And, you know, of course, he needed cooperative people and been a short supply of that sometimes, but, <laughs> but it's coming. We know the end from the beginning. So in Romans here, there's this amazing passage of Scripture, and it touches so many elements. Uh, it's, I, it's almost like this vortex of truth that I, I could easily get caught up in, so I'm going to try and discipline myself. But uh, Romans 8, in verse 18, says this. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Just begin to pray in the spirit right now. Yeah, just lift up your voices. I know, you know, we're on camera and there's, there's things and it might be intimidating, but, but we need, we need the, something of a breakthrough this morning of faith and vision. We, we say right now, we say right now in Grand Prairie, Lord, let there be a moving and let there be a shaking and let there be the Samson spirit that causes us to rise up and shake ourselves into a place of victory. Yes, In Jesus' name. So he's writing here, and, and he, he goes into some great things. But he says, listen, we have a destiny. You have a destiny. You are called to something. God has promised you something that's not worthy to be compared with the price that you're paying. Let me just pause there for a second. Have you ever, have you ever had a moment of self-pity? <laughs> we, we don't need to answer that. Right? Have you ever, have you ever had a moment when you said, why me? You know, why, why isn't this not happening with me? Or, 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 or why is this happening to me? What about them? I mean, even the disciples had that. Peter's getting a word from Jesus, says, yeah, you know, at the end of your life, things aren't going to go great. <laughs> Do you remember that word? He said, somebody's going to take you uh, where you don't want to go. And you know what he says right away? What about him? He, he points to John and says, what about him? Kind of, we kind of do that, right? It's like, 
Like, I thought, you know, justice is everybody getting the same, isn't it, Lord? Well, not necessarily. God knows what you need. Furthermore, God knows what he's called you to. All right? So you could try to be like the next guy. You, you could try to get what he got, but you might be trading in more than you bargained for. You might act, you know, I remember in the earlier years when it seemed, uh, it seemed everybody was getting away with things. You know, th- people were allowed to do things, and I wasn't. I mean, God restrained me. I mean, I remember, well, Lord, I mean, all these other preachers are doing this. All these other pastors are doing this, and et cetera, et cetera. Like, isn't this how it's done? And it just fell flat for me. And, and I, I remember thinking, uh, this is not fair. Like, this is not fair, God. And my pa- I didn't understand it until years later when my pastor, Gideon, he was explaining his journey. He said, there was a time in my life when the Lord said to me, others may, you may not. Others may, but you may not. And then all of a sudden, when God began to launch him into international ministry, and, you know, he was getting influence and walking in a level of authority that others were not, then the Lord said to him, now you may, and others not, may not. And so maybe there's a restraint on your life today that you think, well, I should be able to do what everybody else is doing. I want to tell you right now, if the Holy Spirit is restraining you, all right, from doing things that others are doing, just do what the Holy Spirit is telling to you to do because you have a journey that's unique for your destiny and your calling. And you can trade that in to have what everybody else has, but you might lose the very distinction for which God birthed you, for which God brought you into this world. And I know right now that that's a word for somebody in this room and for somebody online. You don't have to compare yourself with others because God, listen, uh, I had a prophet tell me, I was talking about the hardness, the difficulty in my life. He wasn't sympathetic at all. And I, I said, I've had this 14 year period. It's like this, this Nebuchadnezzar desert experience. And he, and he said, well, you know, the, the longer the trial, the greater the destiny. I thought, oh, okay, all right then. You know, I'm going to suck it up, stop feeling sorry for myself, and I'm going to turn my eye on the promise. Yeah. And this is what Paul did. He said, for I consider that the sufferings yeah. of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which is being revealed, which is being formed, which, is, which one day will become obvious to all of creation. Wow. I, do you know that there is something inside of you? Have you ever thought you were doing God favors by coming to our church on a day when we were springing forward? You know, lay that down. Lay, you know, I, I remember as a young Christian, oh, it's so sad. Honestly, it's so sad, you know, all the ways that we try to prop ourselves up and, you know, and, and uh, but I remember so many times, you know, look at me, Lord, I'm in, I'm in front of the church dancing for you. You know, not many men will dance for you, but here I am doing it. But, you know, God is kind. He's like, he's like what we do with our two-year-olds. Oh, that's great. That's great. That is amazing work of art. Let me put that on the fridge. <laughs> you know, you know, we overvalue what we do because we know how we have no sense of the quality that he's actually trying to bring us into. 
no ability to appreciate the stages of our development. And so we live in this narrow place of entitlement and self-pity. And God is saying, man, the faster you get out of this, the better things are going to be. The faster you get out of this, and the Lord is talking to people right, right here, right now. So he's saying to you, listen, I have a destiny for you. I have, I'm calling you to be a spiritual Navy SEAL. You know, I am calling you to be, uh, you know, a, a special forces warrior. But I need you to learn to endure hardship. And that hardship I need you to endure begins with you not looking at everybody else as your excuse. Listen, I'm trying... I'm trying to fulfill something that's inside of you, something that burns inside of you. There is a destiny. There's a promise. There's a hope. And you keep valuing what it is you're giving up over what it is I'm giving you, and I'm telling you right now, it's not worthy to be compared. So run quickly from here to there. Leave that place of entitlement. Leave that place, oh Lord, why, why aren't I an elder now? Why aren't I a pastor? Why aren't I an international evangelist? Why did you give me an ability to sing like that? <laughs> like, all, you, you know all the things you covet in other people? Where's the treasure in you? You know, and I'm, 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 this is not the way I was meaning to go, but listen. When I think about the greatest men of God that I know, I think about uniqueness. Because when I, when I, I remember as a young Christian, I got to this point where I started looking at the panorama of notable voices in the body of Christ. And I thought, you know what? There's not one of them that's like the other. I mean, they're so totally unique. Now, if you actually go into those spheres, you'll find a thousand people trying to be exactly like that guy, yeah. right? And you can be one of them. And sometimes I've tried to be one of them. And thank God, God stopped me. And God stopped me because I was trying to emulate myself after one stream and say, God said, no, no, no. I want to take from here and from here and from here and from here. So you might not feel like you belong in any of these. You know, you, I still serve faithfully in a church. But I, when I tried to snap on to, to one particular, he said, no, no, that's not for you. I want to create a whole new lane. I want to create something that's different. Don't get, receive from that one, receive from that one, receive from that one, receive from that one, but it's unto something you don't know. Don't be limited even by what you see in others. I tell you, God has the ability to create a version of you that has never existed, and a, a, a beautiful array, a diamond, a multifaceted, multi-edged expression of the glory and light of God that is unlike any other diamond that exists. You know, but sometimes we just, that, that, that takes a little bit of dying to ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, you're going to be famous. I'm not talking about, oh, 10,000 people are going to bow at the throne of your ministry. I'm talking about being a trophy in the house of God. Oh, here's another thing. Whoa. Get ready. You might be online watching this, but there, I saw something, and I just, I just remembered it now. When I, heard, when, I, when I said about this trophy, Jezebel is hunting for trophies. Jezebel is hunting for trophies. And this is particularly for men today. <laughs> Jezebel is hunting for trophies. So I had this prophetic picture, and I'll see if I can convey it. Have you ever played a game or been on a, some kind of site where you're collecting, um, 
you're collecting something, but you don't have it. And so when you get it, it suddenly fits into that spot where, you know, so it's a translucent translucent version of, of a statue or something like that or, or a prize. And when you get it, then it becomes fully, you know, full color. And that, then you have it. I saw, I saw the mantle of Jezebel and I saw heads on, on sticks on the mantle. Great men of God that had fallen to Jezebel. And I, I saw this this morning and I saw these ones that had been taken down and taken down and taken down. And then I saw one of me that was translucent white and I'm one of many others. And, the, and I, I heard the Lord say, Jezebel is looking for more, more, uh, more prizes for her mantle. And right now there's a spirit, pornography, lust, adultery, uh, perversion. It is actually biting at your heels like hyenas. It's biting at your heels. And I want you to know that it's promising certain kind of resolve, certain kind of pleasure, certain kind of value to your life. And self-betting and entitlement will allow that thing to get in. But God is saying, listen, if you fall to this, my son, if you fall to this, my son, you will be nothing more than a head on a stick on the mantle of Jezebel. Decide today where you want to be, in the trophy case of God's house or on Jezebel's mantle. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we have a destiny. <laughs> That's not worthy to be compared. We're going to stop today licking our wounds. We're going to stop today saying, boy, I wish, that, I wish that leader would give me more respect. I wish that person would recognize, you know, my authority in the kingdom of God. You know, that, those little spirits of self-pity coming around, whispering into your ear, telling you how great you are and how everybody else should be recognizing you. Let me tell you, here's the thing. When God wants to raise you up, when God wants to give you authority in the kingdom of God, nothing can stop it. Promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south. It comes from above. God takes one down and puts another up. All promotion does not come from administrative systems. It comes from heaven. And you think, well, yeah, but in our organization, they don't like short people. <laughs> Let me tell you, God's got a trump card for whatever your organization, the world around you. You will be the exception. Well, in my, in my world, they don't promote, you know, uh, uh, left-handed, crooked-nosed, bald-headed people. I mean, you'll be the first then if you walk before the Lord. Like promotion comes from above. We all have different excuses. We all have different reasons why, well, you know, in, I could never get ahead in this world because da 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 don't buy it. Promotion comes from above. So God is saying, listen, your destiny's in your own hands. Now, I got distracted from this whole message, but for I consider, Paul says, that the things of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Father, I say, God, let the pulsating uh, promise of, that was in the hearts of the disciples on the road to, to, to Emmaus as they walked and their hearts burned. God, let our hearts burn with the promise of glory, with the promise of an inheritance. Let it burn today in Jesus' name. So then he goes, he says this, verse 19, for 
The earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So this morning as we are waiting in worship, I begin to get a sense of the immensity of that destiny. And the language that we use, and words are so so uh, two-dimensional, you know, they, 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 have, they do not always convey the depth of certain things. You know, they're, they're words, words can be very flat, and so we can hear something so often, oh yeah, we're sons of God, yeah, well, that's great, that's great, that's wonderful. But I don't think we realize the fullness of what God has called us to be. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray that you open the eyes of our understanding today, open the eyes of, give us a spirit of revelation and the knowledge of you. Well, there's a movie I watched years ago. Yes, I, I've watched movies. Uh, I like movies, especially creative uh, sci-fi movies, uh, because there's something about sometimes what comes across in futuristic technologies that are actually intimating spiritual uh, principles, spiritual weapons, spiritual realities that are coming. And I could cite a bunch of them. I remember this one, okay? Uh, the Vulcan weapon, the ancient Vulcan weapon. It was an old, old Star Trek movie. You know, it's when they were in spandex. And, and, and uh, they were there and there's this ancient, uh, uh, there was this ancient Vulcan weapon. And, uh, and I can't remember who was fighting it for, you know, one of those other races. And, they, and, and Captain Kirk was there and who's the Vulcan? Spock. Spock. Yeah, Spock was there, you know. And uh, he, he's... He's, he, they're in this room and the bad guy gets it and they have the weapon and he's holding, he's about to de de demolish them with it. And, and uh, Spock says, says just, just empty yourself of all hostility right now. Just empty yourself of all, everybody empty yourself of hostility. And so of course all the guys in the colored shirts do that and the two, the two guys in the orange shirts, you know how that worked? They always died, it was the red shirts, the, the crewmen. Yeah, they always go with the main characters and the crewmen. The crewmen always die. So anyway, the wave of the beam of that ancient Vulcan weapon goes out and the two crewmen kind of are about to lunge for the weapon. They're evaporated. And the wave of that thing just goes right through everybody else. And it's like, and, Vol and, and Spock says, yeah, that's why we quit using it. <laughs> because you have to be against, you have to be hostile against them for that weapon to work. So it's actually, easy. that's a spiritual, that's a spiritual reality. When you are coming against me with spiritual weaponry, but I love you and I receive you and I'm not against you, yet the force of that goes right past me. I am immune. I mean, I love those spiritual realities. Those are, those are cool things. I'm, I'm thinking, what kind of creative writer saw that? You know, maybe somebody who's not in the kingdom, but very close to the kingdom. So anyway, there was a Star Trek movie. What was that one called? It was, somebody told me the name earlier. Yeah, called Motion Picture, but the, there, was, there was this probe. That's what it is. It's a probe that they sent out. And here's what was happening is, is there was this massive almost like a whole other universe coming towards the solar system of Earth. And of course, Star Trek, they've traveled the stars and they're saying, hey, this thing's coming. We see this thing coming. Well, how big is it? It's big. Well, how big? Well, this many, you know, light years wide. Oh, that's big. 
And here's what it was doing. It was consuming everything along the way. It was eating up, you know, solar systems and planets and suns and, and kind of thing like, wow, this, this thing is, this is really big. We need to stop this. We need to stop this thing. So the whole movie is about these Star Trek guys trying to stop this thing from coming and destroying planet Earth and our solar system and our sun. And what they find out is it was their probe that they sent out years before that they thought was lost. And it had gone to the certain far reaches of space and it was a probe to accumulate knowledge. And as it was, it went to a certain dimension where there's advanced knowledge or whatever, this is the sci-fi part, but it was coming back with all that knowledge. Well, all that knowledge was not just information. It brought a reality with it. It brought its own atmosphere. It brought its own, uh, you know, uh, the power of a million suns was coming with this thing, but it had accumulated all these things. And I, as I was watching and thinking about this, a number of times I've been in worship and the Lord says, is saying to me, that's, that's your destiny. He said, when you were born again, you were like a, t I, I put a tiny little probe, a tiny little seed inside of you. But what's inside that seed is a universe of power and knowledge and freedom to bring a kingdom. And the earth, the creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. See, God is, is that infinite expression of power. That is beyond our imagination. I mean, you think about that. This is the, the hard thing being a young Christian because I'm looking at the Bible. I'm looking at the language, you know. No, nothing shall, you'll tread on serpents and scorpions and nothing shall by any means hurt you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, why is it I'm here in the corner crying and dancing by myself? I should write a song with those words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so well, I started, there was a discrepancy between my reality and the reality of the sons of God as presented in the promises. And so our, I, I, was, I was on my way towards that and I, and I remember that one, one particular time, I, of course, we were, we were doing all these things. We were, we were going down to the gay prostitute area, and we were, we were going to bring the kingdom of God. And I remember for weeks and weeks and weeks, we'd go down with the bus in Dallas, Texas, as a student group. You know, we were the street outreach people, because I, be, I wanted to be God's, you know, weapon of destruction to darkness. So I thought, I'm going to go for the hardest sinner there is. So we thought, I'm going to go to the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the homosexuals. So we went down to this area, and we're going we're gonna to get, you know, get everybody free. We're going we're gonna to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to bring forgiveness we're going to see people's lives change and and we were doing this we were driving around the bus we we're praying in tongues i thought man this is amazing we're christians we're praying in tongues which is like a supernatural you know beacon of light man when we go down there to actually share the gospel they're gonna be dropping like flies that's what i'm thinking they, like man we are reading the red and praying in tongues this is going to be a, a slaughter like people are going to come to the Lord by droves. They're going to they're going to leave their lives of fornication and sin, and they're going to come to Jesus. I just couldn't wait. Well, I got down there, and I preached my first time with the bullhorn. Well, I I may as well have been a mural on a dark wall. <laughs> and I mean, they're walking by me, smelling like uh, what was that that deodorant, not deodorant, aftershave. 
Oh, I, I was the, the one in the green bottle, polo. Polo. I mean, the whole street smelled like polo. And, you know, the, but they, they just didn't even look. You know, I'm, I'm, if you said, hello, do, do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> no effect. And I went back and I said, God, I'm supposed to be this. And what I, the effect I'm having is this. How do I be this? You know, I see the promise. I see this overcoming. I see who you are. You are are infinite in glory. And you said that greater works will we do because you go to the Father like, we have all these promises. How do I get from here to here? What am I doing wrong? And the Lord said, that, he didn't actually say this because I was too mature to hear it, but he said, I can hear now. He said, like, this will take 40 years. But you're asking the right questions. You're on the journey. You're on the journey. You're on the journey. But you don't know what you don't know. You have a superficial view of authority. You have a superficial view of grace. You have a superficial view of love. And you have no ability yet to walk in these things. But you will. You will. Father, I pray, God, that you would just allow the wind of the Spirit to come in behind us and wipe away the discouragement of initial defeat. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name because some of you have ventured. Some of you have stepped out and, 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 and you think, yeah, but it didn't work and I got disillusioned and I failed and there was no authority, so I'm not doing that again. But the Lord has actually said, the reason I had you, yeah, it was me, I had you step out, but I need you, before I can give you what I really want to give you, I need you to see what you have now, which is not a lot. <laughs> I, and, and that's not a small thing. I mean, I remember the era, and I'm, I'm diverting from my message, I hope this is okay. I remember the era of presumption when, you know, the, it was the, it's, it's unavoidable, right? It's unavoidable. When you start to teach somebody about the promise of God, we always get a superficial, superficial version of that thing. And so when God said, you know, you're a son of God. You have authority. Every place on which your foot shall tread, he's given it to you. And so, you know, we're out there going, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yet the enemy comes in and just pillages and takes from us. We're like, ah, what about the promise? And, and God, you know, and sometimes it's a hard leap to say, yes, the promise is real. Right, uh, you're called. But I'm seated in heavenly places. You, no, you can be seated in heavenly places, but you don't always operate from heavenly places. Well, by faith I do. Yeah, but you don't have that much faith. <laughs> yeah. So there's a difference between promised authority and realized authority, and that journey is you dying. And you laying down, you realizing your tenacity, your strength, your soul power, your dedication is not the whole enchilada. (laughs) That there is a process to, I'm going to bring you into that. It's going to take some time. Everybody said hallelujah. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, if you stay steadfast, you will not be moved. Ha. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we have this picture of the immensity of God. The breadth, the depth, the, the hugeness of who God is. And God is saying, listen, 
Just like my son, I intend to make you the express image of him, the express image of me. And so this morning, I want to read a couple of passages that touch on the breadth of who God is, because we need to see where, where we're going and what's possible. So now if I forget, remind me to tell about the, the Kampala story. Just tell me Kampala story. And if I remember, oh, there's something else I was supposed to say. Just say Kampala. All right. Okay. So in Psalm 97, in Psalm 97, there's this, this passage that describes, I love these. You know, when I was a young Christian and discouraged, I'd go to some of these kinds of passages. I used to go particularly to Revelations when it described Jesus. You know, with his feet burning like bronze and, and the white sash and the sword coming out of his mouth and his hair white like wool. And, and uh, you know, I just thought, oh, this is, this is who I serve. This is who is walking with me. But here in Psalm 97, listen to this. And think about this imagery. If you saw the movie, that Star Trek movie, the motion picture, and you know what the probe came back with. This is a picture of who our father is. And, and it's a picture of who we are becoming. Because we are our father's child. He writes, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. I get so excited when I read this. Oh, my goodness. Father, let the intensity of who you are, God, burn inside of us. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the, of the Lord of the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness, and the peoples see his glory. Turn again to Psalm 18. And this is a peculiarly wonderful verse because it's really talking, it's giving us a behind-the-scenes picture of what happens when Jesus is in hell. And he's there for three days and he calls the Lord because this is a part of what God was trying to do. He's, this is what was necessary. So he calls on the Lord. God comes down and delivers him from an enemy that was too strong for him. Now we know that Jesus didn't have to go to hell, right? He, he, could, have, he could have just resisted. He could have, he, right on the cross, he said, he said, you know, I could call for 10,000 angels right now. I could call for legions. I don't have to do this. I want to do this. In fact, in the garden, when the guards came to get him, when the guards came to get him, he said, I, I am he. And what happened? They all fell down. He didn't have to be arrested. He let it happen. Yeah. Right? This is, this is a setup. And so, and so uh, he's, he's, he's walking something out here. And, uh, and when he calls on God, God comes down. And this is what it says about Jesus' situation then. It says, the pangs of death surrounded me. And the floods of ungodly men, of ungodliness, made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. Now, in the next verses, we begin to see the unfolding as the Ancient of Days rouses himself and begins to stir from his holy house and begins to move. This is a picture not just of the Father, but of the sons, of the sons that are emerging. 
We're going we're gonna to be talking in a second. I mean, there is unimaginable authority that God is raising up. We haven't seen hardly, you know, the, the greatest men of God. When you look at past revivals and you see these men who did exploits, who did amazing things. When you t- hear about William Booth who walked into cities and brought an atmosphere that caused sinful people to begin to pelt him with rotten tomatoes and, and things because he was bringing a whole environment, a whole atmosphere of a kingdom. And he said, I'm, I'm not looking for a revival. I am a revival, right? Because he discovered something of the nature of God that was inside of him. And you look at him, and I'm telling you, if he touched 1%, that would be generous. 1%. The final days army of God is a people who walk in a fullness of sonship. The generation of Jacob that have sought his face, who are not content with 1%, 5%, 10%, but they, they know they come to a fullness. And, and what they're doing, they're not doing it out without us. They're doing it. I'm hoping to be with them. With it, we're, it's coming because of what every other generation lay hold of. Does that make sense? So we see this description is so great. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him even to his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind, and he made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, hails and coals of fire. He sent out arrows and scattered the foe lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were uncovered at your rebuke, O God, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. This is a picture of the immensity of God. But we still have the disconnect because, yeah, we tried to walk and talk like that. But our, you know, there was a movie, if you, my hearing, I'm talking about movies again. One of those Superman movies. And, you know, he came from Krypton, right? So he had these supernatural abilities like Sons of God. You know, again, it's a, it's a picture. But these other people came from Krypton, but they weren't friends of him. And they came down and they also had powers. You remember the big guy? The big guy, he saw one of the other ones, you know, burning holes in, in, in just right, with their eyes. And lasers came out and exploded things. Like, he's like, like, how do you do that? Well, you just, you know. And so he, he goes, and there's a little spark, you know, kind of. And there's a kind of a flash. But, you know, it took him a little while to get into that. He, the, the, the abilities were there. They were in him. He just didn't know how to release it. This is, the, this is what's happening. The, the nature of God that's inside of you and the ability to release it is something that's being, it's being, it's being formed as you mature. See, when you have a seed inside of you, you have the DNA of the full thing, but you don't have the full thing. When you were born again, you got a seed, not the full apple tree. 
<laughs> right? You got a seed of that thing. And you know, because we understand science, that, that the DNA is going to produce an exact replica of that thing. It's just going to take some time. So when God put a seed of the Word of God in you, He put in His divine nature, and that thing is going to produce out of you. And as it grows, you learn the source of the power. You learn the source that it's not you, it's Him at work in you. And then there starts to be a proper division of labor and you understand who to give credit to. But here's the thing, how, just how grand can this be? What kind of authority can we expect to have? I mean, we're we in a fledgling state. We are, we are in the horse and buggy stage of being sons of God. But there is a version of this that's much more developed and refined and powerful and full that is coming upon the earth. And right now, right now, in the day that you are in, believe me, there has never been a brighter day. There has never been a day with people, as many people with as much revelation and as much manifestation of the glory of God as there is today. We say, how is that? Because, you know, we had William Branham, we had, we had uh, you know, Finney, we had all these other guys. And, yeah, but they were, they were individuals who stood, you know, uh, um, amongst pawns. You know, the kings that stood with, everybody else was pawns. But they were there uniquely chosen for that season to demonstrate to that generation what was possible. To, to give something to aspire for, not just for us to stand in awe. But to say, this is what you are meant to be. What are, can you imagine a generation of 10,000, 100,000 men who are 10 times the men that Charles Finney was? Yeah. All right, that's, the, that's what's coming. That's what's coming because, you know, it used to be, if you go into a city of 500,000, you might be able to find five or six people who prayed in tongues. And those people were, well, I mean, they were, they were, colossal leaders in that day because they you speak in tongues everybody else oh i'd like to have some of that well what did god do he took what only a few had and he gave it to the many because that's what god does so you think of those guys that were unique in their generation you think of people who are unique today that's not for you to just say oh i wish it was me no it's for you to say god i want to align my life so that i get what they have because what they have is not any different than the destiny of me as a son of god and i might not look exactly like them but the level the power the dynamic the shape the influence the breadth of that is for me i also am a son of god i also am a joint heir i am also called by grace to to inherit the nations with jesus well let me tell you just to give you a snapshot of this there's a man uh i had well i'll say his name his name's morris Rell. now what time are we supposed to be done one ish great there was a man named Morsarello. I, I remember back, I was teaching at Christ of the Nations in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, BC. And my mom was, she loved Morsarello. Every one of her key watershed moments happened at his ministry, like colossal breakthroughs. So anyway, one day her friend, she calls me up, she says, my friend wants to send you to a Morsarello event. I thought, wow, that's great. I'd, I'd love to go to a Morsarello event because it's in California. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, you know, expenses paid I'm going down there I arranged to speak in a couple of churches so I, I go down there and I've never been in one of these I'm and and so I'm on the plane I happen to be reading a book about the Holy Spirit and something inspired me that there's a level of relationship with the Holy Spirit that I didn't have that I could have and I'm on the plane and I thought 
I thought, wow, this is so good. You know, and so I, I just said, Holy Spirit, why am I going down? I mean, it's nice to have a break. It's nice to have a free flight. It's nice to be in California in the sun and all that. But what, are you, what is your intention for this? And I had an inner audible voice that said, more Sorella will lay hands on you. You will receive an anointing of power. I thought, oh, that'll be great. So I, I go down there. I go down there. There's 5,000 people there. You know what? Everybody wants more Sorella to lay hands on them. And he explicitly was, to, explicitly was told by the Lord not to lay hands on anybody. So all his minions were doing it. I thought, I don't know. You're not Morris Sorello. I don't want you to lay hands on me. I want, I want the big guy. Well, everybody wants the big guy, you know. So I had a friend who's on his board. And, uh, you know, he liked me. And we're, so, so he said, well, let me talk to him. So he comes back, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, my speaking engagements fall through. I end up, I end up going to Disneyland after this thing was over, and, and then I find out, I found, I find out R. W. Shambach is doing a a, a a camp meeting at Melodyland, which is right across the street from Disneyland. It used to be right across the street from Disneyland. So I'm going to go there. So I go there in in the afternoon or the morning, the the first day, and I'm, it's a great session. I come out and I think, where should I go for lunch? And I'm standing in the parking lot, and the voice, the same voice, that spoke to me on the plane, says, "Go to the Anaheim Hilton. Go to the 14th floor. Morisrello will be there. He'll lay hands on you." So I I thought, all righty. Uh, I was still intimidated. I think you know when the Lord speaks to you, even when it's near audible, it's like, did that really happen? And, uh, but I thought, I'm, I'm going, I don't care, I'm going. But I get to the Anaheim Hilton, I get in the elevator, and it says 13th and 14th floor for executive guests only. <laughs> so I was a little intimidated, but I remembered the woman with the issue of blood. So she wasn't supposed to touch men. She wasn't supposed to. I remember those guys with their paralytic friend coming and taking the tiles off somebody else's roof and digging a hole in his roof. Okay, that's not really permissible either. <laughs> Somebody's probably not too happy about that. So I think I can endure, you know, the management of Hilton at the Anaheim Hilton and go up to the 14th floor without permission. So I go up there. And I'm walking down the house. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, is he going to come out of somewhere? So is he, is he going to come? And so I'm walking down the hallway, and, I, and all of a sudden I see a door open. There's a door open. I go up there, and I walk up, and, and it's, I see, executive lounge, guests only of the 13th and 14th floor. I thought, I thought I'm not allowed to go in there. But as it happened, I could, I could, as I looked in, I could see a couple of people sitting at one table setting. And I looked in, and it's, well, it's R.W. Shambach and his wife, and Morris Sorello and his wife, lo and behold. I thought, I'm going in. Cover me. I'm going in. <laughs> so I, I go in, and I, I come up to, and I said, Brother Sorello, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, said to come here, and that you would be here, and you would lay hands on me. So he, he uh, I'd already decided oh, I don't need to feel anything. Let me tell you, he, he laid hands on me. There's other people. This is a business lounge. There's other people all over the place. I started jackhammering like it was Renewal Toronto. I mean, uh, it was, it was the most amazing thing. I went to back to my hotel that night, and I'm laying in bed, and, and, I'm, and I'm excited. And I tell you, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. So I'm watching TV because I can't fall asleep, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna try, I just need to lay down and lay still. 
So I, I lay still. It's midnight by now, and I'm laying still, and it's 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. But as I'm laying there, I'm laying perfectly still. Inside of my body is a, a wave of power that was incomprehensible in its glory. And it, was, it would ebb down to my feet, and it would ebb up to my head, and it ebbed down to my feet. It felt like a wave inside my being. And I remember him talking about when the anointing was so strong in him, he'd be staying up all night because he couldn't, he couldn't sleep. There's no way to subdue the level of the power that was working inside of him. So anyway, I could tell you a few other stories about what that anointing at work, but it's about to come. And it's not just for a few. It's about to come on many. And it's, a, it's an incomprehensible level of authority and kingdom power. And it's, it's about to come on a company of people that have learned to walk in covenant and to love one another and who won't use it against their brothers and sisters. Well, here's, here's another example. I was in, uh, it was a, this is about Morcerello because I believe in our generation and he's, he's passed on, but he, he provided another vision, another, another mountain peak uh, in this journey of the sons of God ascending into the heights of their inheritance. And so uh, he would, I was in uh, Switzerland or Munich and this fellow was there from Africa. There's a group of us, 25 of us meeting together for something. And he starts sharing his testimony. He, sa he said, I, I was an orphan in Kampala, Uganda. And when I was young, some organization took me off the streets and adopted me and took me to Malta and raised me in this school. And it was a school, I think it was Malta, it was a school of a, a, a religious spiritual order that was around sorcery and, and darkness. And he was raised in this organization. He was returned to Kampala, and he began to, to ascend in the ranks of this thing to the point where he became the chief one in, in, in his country, in Uganda, and said, you know, when I called the president, he came to see me. Like, that was the kind of influence I had. Anyway, one day, his superior from some other country calls him and says, you need to leave Kampala. Says, what? Leave Kampala? No, I'm not leaving Kampala. What? Why do I need? Yeah, take your structures, take your people and leave the city. In fact, you need to go out to this place. It was 50 miles outside of the city. And he said, uh, he said, well, why, am I, why, why, are we, why are we doing like, we, This is our city. I own the city. Well, there's, a, there's an American evangelist coming to Kampala. And uh, so you need to leave. And he said, well, we'll just, we'll just get him. You know, we'll just attack him. He said, no, 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 you don't touch this man. Anybody who goes up against the man, this man either dies or is converted. And so you need to, to leave the city. And you cannot return for six, uh, three months. He said, why? I can't return for three months. Why not? He said, because the, the sound of the man's voice resonates in the air for, for three months. What is that? That is a picture of the authority of sons of God. That is the picture of the potential when we come into a certain kind of fullness and begin to walk in the authority there. See, all of this, all of these expressions 
that have been reserved, that we've assigned to God. He's saying, listen, this thing is father and sons. This enterprise of the kingdom is father and sons. I am not just giving you a promise. I am changing you into my likeness. I am creating you in you, not only the, the, the ability to exhibit the power, but the nature, the humility, and the godliness, and the righteousness, and the love that can restrain and hold and incubate this glorious power. This is the journey we are on. So Father is, is training. Training. And the, the only thing he needs is yes from you. The only need, thing he needs is a quick yes. When he puts his finger on a behavior, when he puts his finger on jealousy, when he puts his finger on resentment, when he puts his finger on you, well, I don't like that church down the road and that guy hurt me and this. When he puts his finger on unforgiveness, you don't play with it. You don't wait a month. You don't wait a year. You deal with it right now. Why? Because, because the suffering of this present age. Sorry, I'm spitting on everybody. <laughs> the suffering of this present age is not worthy to be compared with the authority of being a son of God. Like we have no idea what has been prepared for us. We read the scripture where Paul said it's, it's not entered into the hearts of men. They're the things that God has prepared for them. Paul knew because he was caught up to the third heaven and shown things that were unlawful for him to even talk about. There are things yet not understood, seen, or even expected that lie in the imagination of God, but are prepared for this generation. May God stir your pray, your hope, your promise. The worship team, why don't you come up? We want to lean into this with a commitment first that says, God, I, I'm done with the self-pity. I'm done with the pointing the, the finger. I'm done with, with saying, why him, why not me? Because I, I believe. Do you believe? I believe that, God, you're the one that promotes. I believe you're the, you're the one that makes one visible and one invisible. Let me tell you, there was a time in my life where I tried as hard as I could to make myself visible because God had promises. People prophesied over me, this is going to happen. You're going to travel the nations. God is going to give you authority. I did everything I could to materialize that call. And God said to me, listen, when I'm hiding you, there's nobody can see you. But when I'm showing you, there's nobody that can miss you. Fix your eyes on me, Mark. I am in this with you. I'm taking you on a journey. I'm destroying and killing and tearing down some things, but I'm making room for a nature, for a glory, for an authority beyond description, beyond imagination. Don't hesitate to cash in those worthless chips for this. Father, Forgive us right now for, for comparing the sacrifice with the reward. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.